0: Hey, what's up guys, welcome to Mixing America. I'm Josh Cohen. I am talking with Shawnee Johnson, a very special guest who I actually met the other day buying a bracelet from her daughter. We'll go more into that a little bit later. Um, but first of all, Shawnee, if you can say hi and then tell me a little about your story. A lot of what I do on this podcast, something that's important to me is that we all have a unique story. We all You can argue with politics, you can argue opinions about different stuff, but you can't argue with someone's experience and someone's story. And I believe that your story and your experiences shape the way that you see the world and the way that you react to different situations. So, first of all, Sean, if you can say hi to the people listening, and then uh, let me know your story a little bit.
1: Hello, thank you for having me. Um, I'm excited to do this. I think these are conversations that we this should feel normal to us, and a lot of people they feel awkward. And so, the more we can talk about it, the more comfortable I think people will feel with you know leading into the hard things. So, thank you for having me. Um, so my experience with race has been um has been interesting. Like I I could definitely tell lots of stories of you know being followed in the mall as a teenager and having my bags checked or being you know more recently um you know I was at a restaurant with four friends and we all pulled out we were there late we had like a late dinner and we all pulled out together to We all turned the same way out of the restaurant and I got pulled over, you know, and so we have that and then we have the as an adult being followed through Costco um, and things like that. So, but, you know, what I think really resonates with me is, you know, what you've heard before is I grew up in a suburb of Minnesota um, in Apple Valley, which um, is predominantly white. And so dealing with the, you aren't black enough, you talk like you're white, you, you know, you're not what we think of, right? Like I've seen, I'm seen as the exception um, yeah. to black people, which is people don't even realize how racist that is, even, even yeah. to think like that. Um, and so just battling that identity thing there and no, I'm black because I am. Like there's yeah. nothing that qualifies me to be black besides the fact that I'm black so um so that was always a struggle to growing up um less as an adult but um now my experiences you know once you get married then they merge right with yeah. your spouse yeah and so now my experiences with race are very different being pulled him being pulled over while driving while i'm in the car um, because yeah. he looks like a suspect that they're looking for um you know so adding his experiences to mine have definitely added some trauma i would say to our lives um because as a black man that's a whole different um series of problems that you have there when it comes to race um so and and again with him it could be story i could tell you story after story after story um and it's just sad it's really heartbreaking
0: (laughs) yeah absolutely we talked about the challenge being different for a black man and a black woman because i think Mm -hmm. they argue differently how uniquely has been a Black, because that's one I'll never know what it's like to be a Black woman, right? right. Like, and I, right. so what, my mom's a Black woman, so we've had some conversations and stuff, but from your experience, mm-hmm. what are, are the stereotypes that maybe you've had placed on you, or mm-hmm. have you found, you know, as you try to accomplish things in life, have you found difficulties and struggles because, not only because you're Black, but because you're a Black woman?
1: Mm-hmm, yeah, and I think, um, Some of them can align with a black man. Like for instance, um, your tone and how you say things, right? Like if I'm really angry, I need to be careful not to portray that in my voice, right? So that I'm not seen as the angry black woman, which is totally a term. Um, Like you want to be the acceptable black woman. Um, So I find that I really have to censor and watch my tone and how I say things so as not to Um, offend a white person or to throw them into defenses or to put their walls up Um, so that that's hard I think Um, but I think too like there's this assumption of black women and strength which I think is a thousand percent true (laughs) you know like I think black women are strong beyond words Um, but then this assumption of but they don't feel pain the same as we do which is obviously not true um, and you can look historically and see how that has played out and how black women have been treated because it's not believed that they have weakness, um, yeah. which we obviously do. And we have pain and we have all those things. But then it's added on when you join a black woman and a black man and trying to like just the job that it is and the, um, the privilege too. I will say, to build up our black men. Because they're not being built up in society, and so that's you know again it can be a burden and it and it's also a privilege. But um, I find my concern being for my husband and for my kids a thousand times greater burden than I have for myself. So mm-hmm. um, so I think that's just a huge challenge too in itself.
0: Yeah, for sure. And you grew up in Apple Valley, so you're here mm-hmm. in different cities. Um, mm-hmm. You said you grew up in a predominantly white area. Mm-hmm. I, for me. Uh, George Floyd hit differently for me because I always kind of, and maybe consciously or unconsciously, I always looked at racism more of a, as a Southern problem. Like I know that there's people here and whatever, but like a lot of the like the bad stuff, right? Quote unquote, that I would say that's that's in the South. Like we don't have those kind of issues. Uh, George Floyd obviously hit very close to home. I grew up okay. in the Twin Cities as well. Um, you know, South Minneapolis is half an hour from where I live. Did, did, did you hit you differently? Did, how did that make you feel? Did you, same thing with me, did you kind of think that's more of a southern problem? Mm -hmm. Was it different when it happens right here in your own backyard?
1: Oh yeah, I mean, it's that feeling of being surprised but not surprised. I think what makes it hit different is the fact that things, nothing new is happening, it's just being recorded, right? And so, the fact that you could it's different to hear something than it is to actually watch it for and sure. to you know watch it and hear it and you know see how it plays out in yeah. the end, and I think that's what made it different is that you know people are pulling out their phones right now um and so that what they see cannot be denied and so I think that for me, it wasn't a surprise, but the visual of it was just that's what felt different, yeah um but I think and I think that it's more blatant when it happens in the South. I think that we have a more subtle racism here um, in Minnesota, which I feel like is almost worse, you know, like I would almost rather just be called a name as they move on than to have those, the way that it seeps into like the workplace and, you know, and into the school systems and the curriculums, like that subtlety is harder for me personally. Um, because yeah. uh, I just appreciate people just telling you who they are up
0: front so I want to talk about now your response to the killing of George Floyd like mm-hmm. we we talked a little bit the other day about you wanting to do something and trying to figure out what you can do to help uh, mm-hmm. what kind of did you go through first of all for you to see what can I do to help and then let's talk a little bit about what you're actu- what you actually did and the kind of things that your daughter's doing because um, I think this is One of the coolest stories, maybe of 2020, right? There's been a lot of of dark, sad stories in 2020. Mm -hmm. To me, this is one of, and I got my bracelet on right now, this is one of the bright stories, to me, of 2020. Mm -hmm. So can you tell me a little bit about what you and your family ended up doing in response to the death of George Floyd?
1: Yeah. Um, So actually, the initial response for us, for my husband and I, was to take a few days and process through Um, together not only like what happened with George Floyd but also what what we have battled you know over the last several years um, which is something that we hadn't processed through together because when you face so many um, when you face racism in so many areas of your life you can't process through all of it right because we we're in survival mode we got to keep going we got to persevere and it would just be just depressing if you process through every act of racism you know small small to large um so we took that time right like for hours each for a few days we processed through all those things and my immediate response after that was i love the verse act justly love mercy walk humbly with your god and so what we talk about in our family all the time is how do we act justly what does that look like um you know a normal thing that i say to my girls long before this happened on the way to school look for the friend Look for the person on the playground who has the one to play with. Look for the person who's being picked on.
2: Yeah.
1: Look for the person who needs help. And you be that person, right? And you stand yeah. up for what is right and what is true, even if it's just you. Um, and so that's, that's our mindset here. Um, and so that was my first response. Like, okay, how can I act justly? How can I do justice? How can we as a family? And, and what I wanted to do, which is not what I ended up doing, um, was there was a few days in a row where there was groups organizing to go into Minneapolis and to clean up and to serve and to help and hands-on stuff. And um, and I remember for a few days in a row, I kept like having these plans to go do these things. Yeah. And one thing after the other happened and, and I never got there. Um, Cause I was in that, now I can look back and say, oh, that was the Lord totally being like, yeah, you think that's what you're doing. That's not your, that's not how you will be doing justice in this. Um, and within just a few days, my daughter came to me and her and some of her neighborhood friends um, had decided that they wanted to um, make friendship bracelets and sell them in the neighborhood. And it was more of an idea like like kids do a lemonade stand, right? Like they were going to sell bracelets and lemonade, a one day thing, bam. And they had actually been talking about it for, since the beginning of COVID. And um, so now it was like finally time where they wanted to do it. And I said, that's great but what are you going to do with that money? And of course my mind's ticking. Like (laughs) I know what should be done. Um, and she looked up at me and she said, I don't know. And I said, well, what if we gave it away and donated it, um, to some of these families that have been affected by all of this injustice and also, um, the riots and and that as well. And she looked at me and any nine-year-old might've been like, no, I think I'll just keep the money, you know, and buy something for myself. And her face lit up. And I had so much joy in that moment because I was like, she didn't care. She didn't care about the money. She was like, yeah. And then I was even more proud because all of her friends were on board um, to do that as well. So what started as a one day bracelet sale in our front yard turned into 10 days straight. Um, And the word was just spreading. My husband does a lot of media, and stuff on KFAN and he does media for the Vikings and Gophers so he um, had announced it on that first day on the yeah. radio which kind of spun things out of control <laughs> I blame him to this day um, and so we sat out for 10 days straight tried to take a break tried wow. to stop but people kept showing up at our house um, so then at that point we decided that we were gonna do pop-ups in different neighborhoods so then we did that twice a week for the remainder of the summer um, and that's kind of our story to this day. We've raised um, somewhere over $140,000 Wow! Um, and we've donated some and but we have a lot left to donate so that's what I'm looking most forward to moving forward is is how to use some of that money.
0: Wow that's that's like I said that's my favorite story <laughs> of 2020 for sure like so cool to see, to hear a kid like want to do that right like when I was nine years old, I don't think I was thinking about giving my money to anybody else, right? If I got right. anything, it was, you know, go buy some candy or some toys or something. Yes, so I exactly. Just one thing I do want to know is, is this something you're going to continue? I mean, I, was, I don't think you assumed it was going to get even as big as it did, right? Like you said, you no. got maybe one day, maybe a couple of days. What is your plan now? Like you said, you still got to donate a lot of the money. Mm-hmm. The summer's over, your kids are back in school. So you're going to take at least a break for now. Is this what yeah. you thought about or are you just going to try to relax for a little bit now that you're done for? This?
1: Well, I hesitate to tell you what my plan is because okay. remember how my plan was a one-day sale. Yep. Um and I just say the Lord just hijacked my life. And so at this point we're really like open-handed, right? Like yeah. we want to be obedient to where the Lord wants us, um and not where we want us. Yeah. Um and so as of now people are still asking um for us to do different events and pop-ups and things like that um and so i think we w- we will do those um and my husband has done some work with i don't know if you know what lokai brace i'm actually wearing it right now i should show you oh. um so lokai bracelets right here so this is a okay. cameron and friends original so oh. my husband actually actually worked with lokai um, to design this bracelet yeah. And so their thing is that they always donate back. When you buy a low-kai bracelet, um, they always donate back to their community. Yeah. And so we decided to get some of these made um, that we will, um, in a couple of weeks, we'll have a website up and going where we can sell those to raise even more money. Yeah. Um, and so I don't know what's ahead, <laughs> but we're gonna, I mean, we're gonna roll with this as long as, we're able to, because why not? Yeah. Right? Like, it's just, and our hope too, is it's not about the bracelet. It's about the conversations that you have because of it. Right. Yeah. So when someone says, Oh, where'd you get that bracelet? And then it, it hopefully it's a conversation starter. So that, yeah. like I said before, like those, those talking about race and people's experiences becomes a normal conversation.
0: Yeah. And that's, that's a big reason why I wanted to do this podcast and why I want to have you on is just to have these conversations, like if we can sit down and have conversations and not try to change people's minds, not try to make you vote a certain way or whatever, I'm just saying, Mm -hmm. let's have these conversations, let's hear people, let's hear what they've experienced, let's Mm -hmm. hear um, the way that this makes them feel. Mm -hmm. I just think it's so important. And you said something in there and and it was a big part of the conversation we had the other day when I met you and I bought this bracelet was, you had to do what God wanted you to do, right? You okay. had ideas and things that you thought you might want to do. And even this, this selling these bracelets, you thought was one thing. And you said, God <laughs> hijacked it and, yeah. and did something completely different. How important is it? Talk a little bit about, cause you, that's what you talked to me about when I met you was the importance of doing what God wants you to do,
1: mm-hmm.
0: not necessarily what you want to do or what you think is going to do. Mm-hmm. Um, can you talk about the importance of that and maybe even how you do that or like why you need to do that?
1: Yeah. Well, I think what I learned was that, um, yeah, obviously I wanted to be out in the community serving and I learned the Lord taught me that, you know what? Everybody has their role in fighting for justice and everybody's looks different. Right. And some people's role was to be out there and to be cleaning and to be serving and all those things. And what he taught me is I'm going to use you right here in Chanhassen, Minnesota, which is a white suburb as well. Mm -hmm. Um, which is not, that was not on my radar at all, right? Like, how is that helping, you know? Um, And so that's the lesson I'll carry with me for the rest of my life is that like the Lord will use you right where you are, not where you think you should be or where you think you need to be, but right where you are. And it's not gonna look like how you want it to look, you know, because obviously like I spent the summer making and selling friendship bracelets. Like (laughs) I am a full grown up. (laughs) And that was my summer. Right. Um, but to watch how God used it, like, I mean, I think my trust in him has just skyrocketed because I'm like, who would have thought that the Lord would use some 50 cent floss, you know, (laughs) and these kids and, um, know how it brought it brought unity to our neighborhood um just because we were outside for so many days in a row and people were walking by and stopping and talking um and offering to help make bracelets because we were in way over our head in the beginning with the orders (laughs) um so like watching him work in our neighborhood and the conversations we were having and how he was like i'm gonna build unity right here in Chanhassen, minnesota and then i'm gonna let you Go to another city and build unity there, and go to another neighborhood and build unity there. Yeah. You know, and it's it's not going to be looking like you wanted it to be. You know, so I think I just like it's just a life lesson that I hope my kids got too. Yeah. Um. But that I definitely learned, and and his plan was so much better than mine because my plan involved a few days of of hands-on serving, um, yeah. and I really try to distinguish with my kids and the kids involved that this is not just um charity we're not doing charity work right like no. this is more than that this is deeper than that and yes we're giving in a physical way no. um but ultimately like we are fighting for justice we're not just giving a check over yeah. you know so distinguishing between those two things too and what does that look like to act justly because it's like a whole mindset right if we look at every situation like how can i act justly how can i love mercy and how can i walk humbly with god so yeah.
0: Wow. There's a, there's a whole lot of good stuff in what you just said. So I'm going to have to watch this back or listen to this back and, and process all of it again. But a couple of things that you, that you said that I loved is that you thought you were into it one way, but God, so the way for us to move forward, I think, because I think right after this, the death of George Floyd and, and the burning in Minneapolis and, and the riots and things that happened, there was, a lot of, there was a lot of us, and me included, like we went that first weekend, we went with the group from church, Um, and it was so busy. There were so many people helping. We didn't really have much we could do, but that kind of stuff isn't, isn't sustainable. Isn't gonna, you're not going to have everybody come out every weekend like that. And, but, but what we can do long-term is find out what God has for us. And obviously the bracelets was a part of, of what God had for your family and what you can do to present lasting change, not just in a temporary relief of finances for people. But like you said, bringing together unity in your neighborhood, in these other neighborhoods, like bringing people together and to have these conversations um, and, and real conversations about race. That's one thing that I've noticed recently or that I've thought more about is a lot of people that I'm very close with, we haven't had those conversations. And so I think um, that's important and that's something that's coming. That's coming out mm-hmm. of all of this. Um, yes. The other thing was, um I forgot what the other thing was it said a lot of great stuff if it comes back I'll say it again but okay um there's like I said there's a lot in that you what you just said that, that I'm still trying to process so um, I, I do want to take some time to talk about God this isn't a, a specifically Christian podcast but but we that's what we brought it up we talked about it what I want to talk about in your opinion, what's the importance of faith in this situation? Like how does, how important is, is having that? Where does that fit in all of this? Because mm-hmm. it's very easy to, to get down and get mm-hmm. discouraged in everything that's happening in 2020. But that was the big thing right after George Floyd was just, just hurts. Like mm-hmm. wherever you're at, wherever you work politically or racially, wherever you're mm-hmm. at with any of this, you know, that hurt. Mm-hmm. The loss of his life, the pain in our city, like seeing, mm-hmm seeing Minneapolis on fire, like that hurt. Um, but there's been a lot of, I feel like more negative, like more pain brought up. And I do think there's definitely a place, you talked about processing that pain. There's definitely a place for that. I think maybe too, many, too much the church glosses over that pain. But I do, we recognize the pain, but then where, where does faith and maybe some hope get into this? That makes sense.
1: Yes. It- well, you know, I tell people when I have these conversations at the pop-ups that, like, where I think that's the distinguishment between, distinguishment, is that a word? Um, between Probably. doing charity and and, fighting, and acting justly, right? Like, yeah. my purpose, our family's purpose in this is for the glory of God. Like, hands down, there's no other reason. Um, because if it wasn't for the glory of God, we're just doing charity, right? So yeah. that... I find that to be the anchor for my soul. Um, and I the Lord has given me so much hope in doing these bracelets because if we didn't have this during this time, I mean, it would be very depressing for our family. Yeah. So our ultimate hope is obviously in him and the fact that we know that he has the victory. We know that he's sovereign and in control. We know that he uses all things for good. We know that nothing is outside of his control and power. We know that his plans are good. You know, like we know all these yeah. things. And we can trust him in that and we can trust, um, how he is using each one of us in a different and unique way. And so faith is the, I mean, I wouldn't do this if if I didn't know Jesus, what would be the point? You know, like it's hard work. It's emotionally draining. It's physically draining. Um, yet there's so much joy in it. So, I think pointing people to that hope is, is another thing that I'm hopeful that these bracelets do is lifting all of our eyes, lifting all of our gaze, right? Cause instead of staring at all that's wrong and all that's negative and all that seems, um, that we have no power over all that seems lost and hopeless, um, that we can, that God is still doing good in it. Right. And, and I see a glimpse of that just with the bracelets. Um, and, I don't know about you, but sometimes all I need is a glimpse, right? Yeah. Like sometimes that's just my prayer is like, give me a glimpse of your glory today. Like just yeah. a glimpse, because that's what motivates me um, to keep going. Like it's, it's a motivation for all that we do. So I, I trust him and that trust yeah. in this endeavor started with the fact that, Hey, you're going to trust me that you're going to make bracelets instead of go serve in Minneapolis, yeah. you know? And, and he's just built it from, from then on, from there on out, you know? Yeah. So
0: No, i love that i love that that's i think that was the second thing that i was gonna say is that that lasting impact like what you talked about with your kids was the this is not charity this is not a one-time thing this is not us Mm -hmm. writing a check for something this is about Mm -hmm. having a lasting impact whether it's the conversations um this is acting justly this is and you already you said you talked to your kids before this even about finding the person that's sitting by themselves at lunchtime or by themselves at recess. And, and you try to ingrain that, regardless of the color of their skin, that when you, you're able to reach out to people. Um, but these conversations with race, and this is one thing that I, my, my wife and I don't have kids yet. So I haven't even thought about, or i thought a little bit about, but, but like what, what conversations I would have with my kids right now. Um, my kids, because my wife is white, um, my kids are going to be pretty white cause I'm pretty mm-hmm. white myself. Um, mm-hmm. so it would be a different conversation for sure. And I don't, not, even, don't know how I'm going to handle that right now, but mm-hmm. I'll talk to my siblings. They have kids already. So maybe they, right, there you go. <laughs> uh, but, but for you, what kind of conversations have you had with your kids? Maybe about this specifically, if you have talked about this, obviously, um, they're very much involved in what you've done uh, mm-hmm. and what's going on this summer. What conversations have you had with your kids about this specifically, maybe about race in general? Because um, I, I, I have no idea how I would handle that, the topic of race with my mm-hmm. children. You know, like at what age do you have to mm-hmm. experience what? Or, you know, like, yeah. it's, it's a tricky subject. So maybe not that you can answer everyone's questions and figure it all mm-hmm. out now. But uh, mm-hmm. maybe later you have to write a book about it and help people figure it out. <laughs> For now, just give me a little bit like what, what have your thoughts been about that?
1: Um, so it is tricky, you know, and it's based on like every kid is different, right? Like what's their emotional maturity to handle it? How much can they handle, right? My yes. oldest daughter, for instance, she's I call her an empath, she feels all the feels, um, and so it hits her differently than it would my younger child, you know, so you have to take all that into consideration, but I think from the youngest of ages, we need to be having. Even basic conversations on their level, because my daughter, at, you know, her, my oldest, who's now nine, when she was, I think, four, um, and I took her somewhere to play, and I, my youngest was a baby, and so I was, you know, paying attention to the baby and mm-hmm. kind of letting my older one go play, and I could tell, I could kind of see that she was trying to play with these kids. They were kind of running away, um, but I didn't really know what was what was going on, and in the car ride home. Um, She said, mom, those kids said that I couldn't play with them because my skin is brown. And I literally, for the first time, like I lost it. I was in the car and I was like trying to move the mirror so she couldn't see my face. Um, So if you think about the fact that my child, for example, her first experience with racism was at age four. So that tells me that if you have a white child, (laughs) especially those conversations should be had before that. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying because um these kids I don't I don't I don't know them I don't know their parents I don't know what like I don't know any of that. Yeah. All I know is my child was hurt. And so we've had to have those conversations from an early age um and I can remember at the very basic level here's where I started. When I we would walk through Target with my daughter and you know how you're when your child's at an age they'll say any we don't know this yet but they get to an April, well, they're still I mean, right. Yep. yep. Yeah. And it's it can be very embarrassing because they just call it as it is. Yeah. And so you know, as a parent, your first instinct is to, if you're in Target, is to if you see someone that your child is going to make an embarrassing comment, you're going to like mm. turn and veer off, right? Mm. Go a different direction. Um, well, I actually did the opposite. So if I saw someone who, let's say, was in a wheelchair, I would say, "Hey, Cameron." look at that young man or young woman or whatever and look at how beautiful God's creation is. Right. So it wasn't an avoidance. It was a like, notice it. Right. Because and just teaching her the fundamentals of like, God has intentionally made you just the way that you are and you are inherently loved and beautiful because of that. Right. So allowing her to see that in other people or someone that doesn't look Um, like what we would call normal or talk, what we would call normal or walk, what we would call normal and calling it out. Right. So this would be total anti like colorblindness, right? Like, right. That theory of like, we don't see color. Yes, we do. We see it and we, we love it. Right. Because God did it on purpose. And it's so calling out the beauty in others and, and then calling it out in her, um, was kind of an initial you know, at the very basics, anyone can do that, right? Sure. With your two-year-old, you can do that.
2: Yeah. And
1: so I think that was like a healthy start. And then, like I said before, calling out the, you know, when you're at school, like seeing people, right? Because we yeah. like to go through our day and not see. And when you talk about having compassion over hurting people, like I try to chain, train my children to see the hurt, right? Yeah. Um, because so much of it is being brushed off and ignored right now. And, yeah. and I want to raise kids who see it um, and lean into it and love through it. Um, and so that's huge too, but even just the basics of history, for example, um, like our kids aren't learning accurate history. So, um, so I try to do that with my children, um, and teach them the things that that is missing in, in curriculums right now. Um, the things that we're not talking about that we're not focusing on. Um, I try to be really honest about just facts you know, like it's not an emo, like not even a moat to the emotional thing, but just yeah. like these are, this is history. These are facts. Um, when I told her about George Floyd, I said it in a very factual way. Um, and then one day she had had an interview and we turned on the news to watch the interview and total mom fail. You know, they were showing all the vid- the footage of George Floyd, which I wasn't prepared for yeah. her to see and she totally lost it like Mm. you know and i felt horrible yet she needed probably needed to see it because like i said earlier it's different to see it than it is to hear it
2: Mm
1: -hmm. um so just having those basic conversations about historically this is how black people have been treated and like this has been a problem and this is why it's so important for us this is why we're doing what we're doing right like this is why we're fighting for justice in the way that that um, we are so that we can have impact right like so that we can be a voice for justice so that people can be treated equally um, and that they can be loved and seen and heard
0: Um, and so
1: that's as far I would I'm not an expert by any means Um,
0: that that was great I mean (laughs) I love that everything you said was I will I'll definitely keep this for when we have kids and I will do exactly that that love that Oh man, um, awesome. Is there, I, I mean, like I said, I, I, it'll take me a while to digest everything you said because there was so much, so much wisdom in everything you just said. So I really appreciate you coming on. Is there anything else that you wanted to say um, about this or even, you know, maybe give us? You said that you should get a verse that's online or is there a way that people mm-hmm. can still give even though your pop up shops might be done for the summer?
1: Yeah, so um, early on we started a Facebook page. Um, for the kids, and it's called Cameron, which is spelled with a K, so people get confused. It's K A M R Y N. Cameron and Friends for Unity and Justice. Um, so they have a Facebook page, and so I try to keep people up to date on there. Um, I post where we're popping up, and um, I post like where we've given, when where we've donated to. Um, there's also information about we have a GoFundMe page, um, and we let people order if they can't get to one of our pop-ups. Um, they can leave in the comments or or a private message their address and what they would like and we send those out we're happy to do that but since i don't know what's coming in the future for us it will be on the facebook page once the lord reveals that to me
0: (laughs) (laughs) awesome well thank you so much like i said i really appreciate this um, a lot of wisdom in what, in what you said. Uh, this will be one that I'll listen to back. I'm sure other people have to listen to it a few times. So thank you for joining us. I want to thank the listeners for, for listening. Join me next Monday for the next episode of Mixed in America.